With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Malby on the Spot. This is your weekly chance, thanks to Anfield Index Pro, to hear the wit and wisdom of Liverpool and Denmark legend Jan Malby as he and I speak about everything to do with our favourite club and that happens to be Liverpool. How are you, Jan? Yeah, good evening, Trevor. Uh, I'm just looking at you there on the picture. I, I need a hat, don't I? You need a hat, man. Yeah, and I also need one of those things at the back there where it says, on air. How good is that? How good is that? Absolutely, very cool. Okay, I'm just pimping up my studio a bit, Jan. You know, it's important. Looking good. <laughs> so, I, uh, as usual, man, we've got at least two games to talk about and two games to look forward to. This is the the the, the current world of, of LFC fandom that we're in. And uh, I'm not sure, did you get to see either of them in the flesh, the Rangers game or the Arsenal game? Yeah, I was lucky enough to be at both of them. Uh, Excellent. You know, Excellent. Uh, Sunday, when was it? The Etienne? Emirates was Sunday, wasn't it? And then, Sunday, uh, yeah. And then last night, we're doing this on a Wednesday, last night in uh, in Glasgow, yeah? Fantastic. Well, I, I do I do look forward to, to try and get as much information as I can out here about that and what it was like to be at them because there's a lot going on there. Just before we start, I do want to just publicize something that I know you're involved in. It's uh, Red All Over the Land Do, which is on... Uh, and uh, tickets are twenty pounds each, or for a table of eight, they're one hundred and forty pounds. Uh, we are the the lads are hoping to have um, Karen Gill there, Kev Sampson, who wrote the drama on, um, and there will also be a photo op with that LFC banner, uh, the Joey Jones eats frogs legs one from Rome, nineteen seventy seven. David Jags will also be there, who um, people will know uh, on AI, uh, supplying some music and some various Liverpool anthems. You can get any info you want on that um, occasion, which will be hoping to raise some money for the residents of Abbey Lawn's care home uh, by going to redallovertheland at gmail dot com, exactly as you might think. R e d a l l o v e r t h e l a n d at gmail dot com, and you'll find all the info you could be looking for there and if you are interested please do check that out and if you can get along all the better now yeah we have like i say quite a lot to talk about my friend we'll start with the most disappointing um aspect of what we have to talk about what's happened since we last spoke 
which is that outing against Arsenal. Um, I don't know that either of us was too spectacularly uh, upbeat about how we'd um, play them off the park. I think I expected something similar to what happened. There was a lot of chat about how good Arsenal were in the aftermath, and I found that a little bit difficult to get my head around, I'll be honest. Um, I didn't think they were half as good as some people were making them out to be. I thought uh, we weren't half as awful as some people were making us out to be. Um, And as usual, you have to tread a line in between. There were some tremendously bad decisions that went against us on the day as well, which would have made a massive difference to any potential results. So you factor all of that in, and I don't think it's quite as awful as it seems, but nonetheless, it's another bad result. It's another inability for the Reds to get points on the board, and that does feel bad when it comes from a point where uh, there was a... Not a desperation, but a real need for us to lodge some points out. What was what was your takeaway after it settled for you a bit? Well, I, I certainly agree that there's an awful lot to talk about. And I also agree with your statement that it was nowhere near as bad as people are making it out. So I thought it was, at times, not for the duration of the 90 minutes, but at times, as well as Liverpool have played this season. Uh, because let's not forget, it, it's an away game against the banging form Arsenal, who have now won their last eight Premier League games. So it was a tough game. Uh, but I thought at times Liverpool played really well, especially pointed out some ridiculous mistakes. I was slightly worried about playing with the two centre midfield players against Arsenal. Yeah, and I think we saw that in the first minute, the overload situation, and then you're one nil down. I mean, that's a norm these days, and as you go behind, it doesn't matter who we play, we, we just go behind. And it just requires so much uh, else. And, and then, of course, we've got the refereeing decisions, which, in fairness, most of them are subject, subjective. Uh, but we'll talk through as as, as as we go through it. So the, let's focus on, on maybe what we did wrong first so we can get the negatives out of the way because I think that might well be the way we're going to have to approach a lot of this season. It certainly has been so far. Um, the initial lineup you uh, mentioned it there. Um, he decided to do same again, basically. Um, and I think that probably raised quite a few eyebrows because the a lot of people would have thought that certainly there were one or two people who might have been doing with a start there. Uh, but he went with what he went with. Where do you think the downfall was? Do you attribute any blame to Klopp's selection uh, and choice of approach um, before the game had even started? Not really. I mean, I, I said before, and we said it on the podcast last week, so I thought we'd go with three in midfield. Um, I, I thought it was a nine and order City. Was it a mistake not to? No, I don't feel it was a mistake not to go with, with three. My, my issue with it is that had we gone back to three, it would have been to allow Fabinho back into the team. And it's not as Fabinho is knocking the door down to be in the team, is he? You know, yeah. it's almost like to accommodate somebody who's not in particularly good form. But I didn't have a massive problem with it. I just thought I'd mention that in the first minute, Arsenal got into one of those overload situations, which can also happen, which has also happened when we play for three in there, isn't it? So, no, I don't have a problem with, with, with Klopp showing flexibility in the way that he wants to play. And when we go on to the second game we're going to talk about, especially in the second half, we exactly saw the strength of the way that we line up in the in a, in a 4-4-2 and what that gives you. And it's not just, you don't just change from system to system. It takes a little bit of time and it looks like it might have took us a game and a half before we got the hang of what a 4-4-2 gives you compared to a 4-3-3. Yeah, I think 
there's definitely an argument to be made for that. And also a very strong argument made to be made for the specific personnel involved in executing that system because we we will, like you said, be talking about how we finished the game with Thiago and Fab in there and on the flanks either side of them, two very energetic and skillful lads in, in our two young boys. And then a dynamic duo, if you like, in the middle. Uh, and that's exciting uh, to think about as a potential formation, even if it is um, uh, a risky one, perhaps, against some, someone like City. But again, that's more for later. In terms of how uh, we coped uh, individually, I want to focus a little bit, if we could, on um, Joe Gomez, who obviously um, has had such a, a long, long, long time away from the team and had very little significant minutes of note um, in the last campaign as he was trying to launch his comeback. There were little snippets. There were, weren't were long, long um, games at all uh, or portions of games. So I think there is an understandable sort of rustiness to him uh, and his game. But I felt... Uh, if you take a, a cross section of the of the two of, of of what we've seen of him lately, I felt like by the time the game last night was finishing, we're starting to see someone who could be a really solid addition to us, and maybe, yeah, just maybe, we won't miss in the same way as we might thought we would the influence of Trent if we free up our wider players to be creative in in a way that. Um, uh, that, that that this new system might. What did you make of Gomez and what do you make of his evolution back into the team? Uh, is he looking first team ready for you? Well, first, uh, and so I don't forget to mention this, is that the back four we finished the game with, I really like, you know, if you look at Gomez and then Konate and, and Van Dijk and Robertson, I like that as a back four. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a perfect back four for the way we're playing at the moment. The way we're playing at the moment isn't the way that we finished the Rangers. We're having bigger problems than that. So what I'm saying, the way we're playing at the moment is that we don't need to have the most attacking, most creating fullbacks in the world. We just need to have a back four. And I like that back four we finished the game with. Uh, and I like Gomez's performance, as you rightly said. But I think that was almost relevant for the whole team. The longer the game went, we got stronger and stronger and stronger. And people found their positions, people found their pockets uh, to play. Uh, and of course, to get an assist uh, like he did for Bob Firmino's goal. And in fairness, it was it was a great assist, wasn't it, Trent? I mean, you know, often people go for the for the assist across or whatever to the man. He just puts it into an area, isn't it, where he goes. You should be favoured to get there. So I thought he played really well. And strangely enough, with that almost comes his own problems, isn't it? Because if he plays from now till just before the World Cup, there's every chance he might be in the World Cup, but with the, with the injuries that, uh, that England brought them over, which I guess is probably not what you want, but of course the boy would very much like that, isn't it? So coming back to that back four the finish of Rangers, I like that. I, I think that can, that can give us a base to be able to defend from against Manchester City. Now, our challenge against Arsenal to, to refocus there was to pit ourselves against a team who were Actually, not on the day, but we're about to return to top of the table. Um, were they able to beat us, which they duly did? Um, there was discussion, which we touched on, about how serious, really, the opposition that they'd faced had been in terms of challenge thus far. Uh, we spoke a little bit about how United had given them um, 
uh, the run around and how they had been quite impressive uh, against Spurs uh, by contrast. So it was a little bit of a hard one to call. How did you think Arsenal fared? Do they look to you like a team that's worthy, A, of being top and capable, B, of being anywhere near Manchester City come the end of the league? And I'm going to just throw in my tokens. Well, I don't see it personally. I, I think they will face a lot of stiff tests, um, stiffer than us in terms of teams that have got their act together and are organized that have a very rigid system and stick to it. I think they'll face a lot of challenges. As well, Jan, to me, the squad looks a bit thin. Um, I'm looking at their bench and I'm thinking, I don't know that you've got all that much there should you miss one or two key key players it could go quite pear-shaped quite quickly that's my take who cares about that what do you reckon well first I think we've got to be fair Trevor you know we can't take away the 24 points they've got out of 27 that in itself is impressive uh, will they be the first challenge for Manchester City over the season they might well be because others don't quite get it right uh, you know I, I look at Liverpool and I don't quite know to what extent we're going to get it right. And I look at Manchester United and I think, mm, not quite. And Spurs play sort of a slightly boring version of, of, of the game that probably won't give them enough wins. And the interesting one being, of course, Chelsea with their new managers. So there is every chance that Arsenal might finish second uh, in terms of that. I fully agree with the uh, with the strength of the squad. I think they've got a really strong start in 11. You take two or three of them out of them, I think they're in big trouble. And they've got some real key players, you know. And obviously, key players is where you start, isn't it? But yeah, strength-wise, they're, 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 they're nowhere near it. And they're going to come up against challenges, aren't they? And we'll just have to see how they go. But as I said before, you know, we give them credit five and 24 points after the first nine games. That in itself is, as I said before, an achievement. Some people will, will be interested in your take on some of their better players. Um, Martinelli did very well against us. He has in the past. Uh Odegaard's a, a, a new addition and an exciting addition to this team and he was involved in uh, an early assist as well um, and they've got obviously Saka there there too so a lot of very good exciting youthful talent and the reason I ask is I look at them and I think Martinelli do we recall that we were very strongly linked with him at one stage in fact Klopp had the Feel the question about him in a in a press conference, I believe, and Saka just looks like sort of the ideal candidate for a Jurgen Klopp team in so many ways. Um, I think about these, and I remember back when Odegaard was uh, Willy Wonty, where when he was uh, affiliated with Real Madrid. All of these are players that you, they're the kind of players that you'd be delighted to see in our setup, do you think that they have a nucleus there of a, a sort of an attacking formation that they might be able to keep together for a lot of years? Or do you expect them to get picked off? Do you think they look like lads who are going to do what lads did with Liverpool in very recent years when we were a stepping stone club and head off? They're going to find the same challenge as Liverpool uh, mm. as their players get better. They're going to want more wages. Uh, and the only way you're going to be able to keep them is what Liverpool did. Liverpool challenge the trophies. So yeah. that, I think, takes a player's interest. They're all going to be well, reasonably well paid anyway. But I think the fact that there's an opportunity to win trophies will take a player's interest before a June the grand contract. So that's going to be Arsenal's big problem, isn't it? You know, it's all they're saying, all right, we can now commit to paying two hundred grand a week, isn't it? But if the players think that I'm part of a very exciting squad, but I don't ever feel we're going to get there, then it's a problem, isn't it? 
So, and, and, and in many ways, they remind me a little bit of, of Liverpool four or five years ago. Mm. It's like you look at them and you go, yeah, there's some miles in this, but how do you take it to that next step, isn't it? And also in terms of the, how do you take it to that next step, we, we got Alisson and Van Dijk. And I, I still feel that they're probably at the same level where you feel that that last step will only be done if they get one or two of those off the top shelf um, buys from wherever they might be able to get them, isn't it? But the biggest problem is, is, is obviously all going to be Martinelli did more for six million when he was a, a teenager. He looks a player Trevor, don't he? No, no one speaks so warmly about him. And the one thing that instantly stands out is his energy and his pace, you know. Uh, but, but I also think the boy knows how good he is, isn't he? So he's going to go, any trophies? I'm not sure. You're going to pay me what, I, what I'm worth. I don't know whether Arsenal's got appetite for that because they've been bitten before, haven't they? You know, they've, been horrend- they've been involved in some pretty horrendous deals that's gone absolutely nowhere. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. What do you think about uh, their um, their uh, manager there? Do you, I, I, I don't know if there's still even a big enough sample size, but um, I wasn't. Sure, I've never been quite sure what to make of him, and I don't know that in the way you would see with a with a Guardiola or you would see with a Klopp, and this is a big ask or, or a Tuchel, uh, that there's a very specific thing that I'm associating with. Well, this is. Do you know this is Arteta ball? Um, maybe it's evolving, and uh, maybe we need he he deserves the time for it to do so. Um, what do you think of him as a potentially elite manager? Well, again, it's I think it's difficult, isn't it, when you compare him to some of the others with impressive CVs and also managers who've developed a style. Uh, I guess he's still a young manager trying to develop uh, a style. So I think it's. I think it's very difficult to be, be, be absolutely 100% sure in what direction he's taking them in terms of evolving as a team. I think they are, in fairness. If you watched them last year, Trevor, uh, where they also had an exciting squad, but they had an unbelievable ability to lose control of games they had control over. Mm-hmm. And I think that's almost the biggest thing they got this year. And I even felt, especially in the first half against Liverpool, when Liverpool came back really strong after one down, I even thought then that they they kept a certain amount of, of organisation and you know, whereas in the last three or four years, as Jose with Arsenal has been them collapsing, isn't it? And when they played Liverpool, they collapsed in front of our eyes. You know, they, they've come with big expectations and end up losing three, four and five nil, isn't it? I don't think this squad is quite capable of that anymore. I think they've got too much. But I think it's an interesting one to uh, to keep an eye on for, isn't it? Because the one thing, and this is the most important thing in it, the club has decided to back this guy, haven't they? They've decided to back him. Financially, they decided to back him in the battles he had with Resolution and then Obama Young and, and players like that. Um, you know, and, and, and if they feel that this is the guy we're going to give the time and the money to, then I'm not saying anything is possible because anything isn't possible because of bloody Manchester City, isn't it? You know, I mean, they stopped so many. You know, I mean, they've stopped us kind of probably winning the trophies that this team decides, uh, deserves, doesn't it? You know? Yeah, it's 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 a very unfortunate um, factor of the time that we're operating in, and I, like I mean, there's a, every possibility that that will be a huge result for Arteta in his development um, to get that win, that psychological thing of getting the win after we had this sort of very much uh, uh, psychological edge over them for the last few years. I mean, to finish with the the Arsenal thing, so that we just get a definitive take from you. I found myself in doing the post-match show and I, I was struggling to be too upset, Jan. I'll be honest with you because I had already felt that 
whatever sort of hopeless romantics were still wittering on about the potential for us challenging for the league who are patently lying to themselves about what they can actually see in the team. It's not about hope or uh, what's realistic, what's not realistic. Um, you know, when you look at the numbers, it's about what are we seeing with our eyes when we watch this team? And we're seeing disjointedness and we're seeing really weirdly a lack of effort. I can't explain that. That's just so strange. Um, a lack of intensity, ironically enough, given our our pal in his book. So you put all those things together. For me, the, the, the league talk was nonsense. If anything, maybe this has just cemented that as a concept. I hate losing matches no more than anybody else. But I don't I didn't feel it was like a massive one. However, I would be worried about a slide and a slide out of the top four, which will be competitive this year. Um What's your take on the overall thing? Am I being a complete drama queen, writing things off at this stage? Am I being too pessimistic? Um, and is top four a reasonable sort of goal for us as we try to reshape this team? So here we go again, Trevor. Second half at Rangers. Uh, we do what we do. And um, mm. some is back, isn't it? Uh, and, and I'm not sure that that is exactly how it is. I mean, I travel back from the Emirates on, on Sunday. With, with three younger Liverpool fans who go to every home and away game. And they were basically ready to throw it all out. They threw everything out with the, with, with the bath water. Uh, and I thought that was a bit too strong, you know what I mean? Because I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as, 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 as we make it out to be, isn't it? But you did mention it. I mean, you mentioned the fact that what we see with our own eyes and what you see with your own eyes in terms of Premier League, it's certainly looking difficult to get into the top three. Uh, because this, this sort of safety net that we always have, where you feel that we can win seven, eight, nine games on the bounce, I'm not convinced that that is, that is still there. Isn't it? So it could very well be a, a big, big balance. Chop four. Uh, I'm just, yet again, told you I couldn't wait for the team sheet for the Arsenal game. Yet again, I can't wait to see what we can produce on Sunday. And against Manchester City on Sunday, for me to walk away from Anfield happy, I don't necessarily have to see a win. I just have to see something that you can hold on to and go, listen, you know, we we got something to work with here. So yeah. I have yeah. to yet again, very interesting thing. You're right. Something that represents evolution. And if we tried to take that as a segue and look at the Rangers game, there was no evidence of that in the opening um, portion of that half. Certainly the first 20, 25 minutes, we were all at sea. It was disjointed. Like I said before, we had no pressure. We had no effort. Uh, to attack them at all and the atmosphere was excellent as you would expect and if anything it looked like we were a bit overawed which is kind of hard to take because if we're being honest about the level that Rangers are at they shouldn't be anywhere near competing with us and something like a 6 or a 7-1 while it might have been harsh on them on the night shouldn't be that big of a surprise at all I think when you look at the gulf of, of, of class between the two squads but nonetheless, struggle we did, Jan, uh, until we sort of found some sort of a pattern. Now, I would personally attribute the the comeback and the, the bit of a rallying thing that we did in the second half of the first half to a player who's bang in form um, doing his thing in Bobby Firmino, which can always sicken anyone because when you think about it, the goal that we scored 
probably our first attack of low, actually. Maybe there was one chance briefly before it, which led to the corner, I think. Um, it's a near post header. He has no right to be winning. And we're back in the game. Um, and then we sort of, like, I think we'd sort of ease our way through. And then, like you say, the second half changes around. We are, we're a different team in the second half. Our attitude to the game is different. We make all our changes, I think, on the 66th minute and then it changes again. Um, so is this the type of evolution we're talking about? And why the hell do you think were we not capable of starting like that? That was 14 matches, Jan, out of the last 20 in which we have gone behind. Now, this is mad stuff for you and I because we've never we've never had to deal with this. It's a whole new world. Um, in some ways, I'm finding it enjoyable because it's new, but it's not enjoyable at all. So what's your take on that? Why can't we start off right? And how are we going to get this to, to take? I remember a couple of years ago, Trevor, we spoke on this podcast about how well we start games. You know, <laughs> we were convinced that it's part of what they did at Melbourne at the time, that they must work through the first minute of having a load of ideas, how we, 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 we get a pattern into the game within the first minute and that is playing in the opposition's article. And now for love or money, we cannot start a game. I mean, that could have ever been uh, against Rangers. Could have been the changes, maybe. You know, Joe Gomez and Cavalio and a few of them coming in. That maybe that could have been it. The occasion, I don't mean the occasion of playing that Rangers team, but the atmosphere thing. Uh, and, of course, that energy from the stand, the players, the Rangers players picking up that energy and using that in the first half, maybe that was it. But I still come back to, we talk about what thing, what, what changes football matches. There's only one thing that changed the football message for us, and that's goals. And once we scored that goal, River Firmino, which was, our, I believe, our only attempt on goal in the first half, there was a change in us, you know. And I think there was a change in our younger players as well. And they go, we, we, we can do that, you know. And then at halftime, and I was amazed to see the stats at halftime, 50% possession either way. And you think, this game could go either way. And as soon as the second half kicked off, you just knew something had changed. It was totally different. I know it took 10 minutes before we got the goal, isn't it? But it was total uh, dominance in the, in, in the second half. And I just thought that, and I know we have a tendency to talk about systems or whatever when the game really is about players, isn't it? But I just thought that the longer the second half went, the more uh, it was justified that we'd, we'd, we'd change systems. The man who led the, 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 the way in the second half again was Firmino. Um, and it's tremendous. So we, there's probably not a whole lot of point in talking too much about Bobby Firmino because there's not much more we can say about him that's new. The only thing you would say is that it's fantastic he's having this sort of renaissance in form just when we need it. Um, it's Darwin Nunes I want to focus on, who scored our third goal. Because, and again, I'm very interested in your take on this. At, around the halftime mark, I said something to a few people. It was probably on social media or something like that. I said something along the lines of, it would be nice... Uh, if Darwin Nunes would start playing the playing the game um, uh, uh, to 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 the best of his ability, right? Words to that effect. And of course, I get hopped on by all these people who think I'm suddenly anti Nunes and you know just that kind of childish nonsense. That okay, whatever. The point I was making, Jan, was he was clearly there was a lot of heavy touches from him. His control wasn't necessarily what it, what you'd like it to have been, certainly in the early goings. The argument that was made counter to that, that I thought was valid, was that his ser- the service to him was mm, something sh- south of appalling. I think that's fair. But I thought 
it's okay to say that the lad is struggling and he's what we said last week, the cliche thing of maybe just trying that bit too hard, bulling around like a bull in a china shop. And you know, the goal is so important to him. The relief on his face is 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 is, is, is incredible. I think it's okay to say that he's still trying to find his way. And that I think it's also okay to say that he probably definitely needs a system which has some sort of really creative player a bit closer to him um, so that he can benefit a little bit more. Because most of the times he was losing control of the ball, yeah, and he was in isolated positions, uh, heading down the flank or heading through the middle on his own. What did you make of his overall showing on the night? And are you optimistic about the player that's developing there or is there any concern at all? I mean, first to, to support your view in it, Trevor, I mean, if 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 what we saw in the first half against Rangers is his level, then of course you're worried, aren't you? Uh, because that's not the level we're looking for. No. The only thing I will say in, in terms of, if you look at both goals at Arsenal, he's involved because of his movement. And I also think that Bobby Firmino's second goal, because we're playing two front guys and, and, and he occupies sort of near post, then there's room to for, for, for Bobby to do what he does in behind, isn't it? Um, I think the best the best decision we made, and I do firmly believe we made that decision, is that we're going to play him. You know, it, it might even, and everybody always goes back to Ian Russ when he came and they put him in the team. And I believe even some of the players said to Bob Hayes, why is he playing? And Bob went, wait, wait, he'll be okay. And I think we've all, all, almost made the same decision with David Lucas. Let him play, let him get his partners out there. Uh, there will be incidents, there will be things where people, but yeah, it doesn't work so let the ball play. Uh, he's got, he's got almost all the attributes apart from the vision and the skill of Bobby Firmino. And, 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 and that, of course, for as long as Bobby's there, will always maybe show him up a little bit. And you just mentioned his goal there. The angle for that is perfect, isn't it? I just love Bobby's little setup, you know. <laughs> It wasn't a, people go, that was a great pass. I said, that wasn't a pass. That was a set. He set that so he could hit that first time. If he passes that, Nunes will have to have a touch to take it out. He, he just set that. He went, hey, uh, there's one on your plate for you. All you got to do is hit the target. I, just, I was in Congress. I was just giggling. You know, it was like, you know, those little magic moments that not a lot of people pay a lot of attention to, do they? But, you know, in that little bit, everything was in that, wasn't it? Cheekiness but also unbelievable awareness, unbelievably quick feet, isn't it? To organise your feet that quick. And it's just a little set to his mate and go, you know, we, we might not be, a, we might be South American uh, opposition, isn't it? But here's a little gift for you, pal. Stick that in the bottom floor. I love that you use the word set because it was, it was the appropriate word to use. It was the, the word I found myself gravitating to. I also like the word that somebody used about it last night. The way that he did it is so unnecessary. I mean, he could have set that ball in the simplest way possible with a side foot, but no, it's Bobby. He has to do it in Bobby's style, and it's perfect, and the pace of it is it perfect. Like Trevor, didn't it? Yes. It, yeah. looked, it, was like, it was like ballet. It was like poetry. Just, moment, wasn't it, you know? just gorgeous. And it's those moments. You're right. It's those moments that have you giggling and smiling. That's why we're in, in this in the first place. And a, a word for uh, the, the the big lad, it's a good finish. Uh, I know the keeper probably leaves a lot of his goal to his left uh, exposed, but there's a level of confidence required to, to, to hit that finish the way 
it looks simple, Jan, but it wasn't as simple as rolling a ball into an empty net. And I just, I, I was enthused by that because I think that's, uh, if, if you remember earlier on, there was one where he took a, a ball that was hit over the top. He took it down beautifully. Uh, but he's charging towards goal. And then his shot, when the keeper's off his line from a long way out, is quite wild. But you could see what he was trying to do. And I just think when something like that then comes off for you, like like the, the finish, that has a huge impact on the striker. I, I think we've just got to accept that there will be moments like that in his game. Uh, because he isn't put together like Robbie in terms of, of scale and business. So even even when he hopefully reaches his level and we all go, wow, a good player, I still think there will be wild moments in, he, in his play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's simply the way he plays, isn't it? Uh, but as you rightly say, what does he have? Yes, yeah, just over the metre, doesn't he, to aim at for that shot? You know, a little bit further out, he goes past the post, a little bit further in, the goalkeeper saves it, isn't it? So it's not the easiest thing in the world, isn't it? You know, so no, well done to him. And back-to-back games with, with, with goals. That that must... It's, it's it's that feeling down at the training ground now, isn't it? You know, where it's easier for everybody, isn't it? You know, it's easier for everybody to, to, to chat to him about the game because it's not as if you... When, when somebody's not playing well and people are talking to you all the time, you think, I wish people leave me alone, I'll be okay here, isn't it? But everybody's trying to help. Now it's a bit easier, isn't it? You know, because it's over that now, isn't it? And then people can just have a little chat and go, hey, well done, and if you do this and you do a bit of that, and it's easier for clocks to have a chat, isn't it? Because the boy now knows he can do it. Well, I think that's brilliant. That's that's what I love about this show. So just just to clarify, clarify that for people who are not used to being in a professional environment, what you're saying basically is that when somebody's struggling, their mates kind of get around them, but they feel the need to cheat them up, uh, say something constructive or whatever, um, offer a word of encouragement. And it's like a kind of bad smell hanging in the atmosphere, isn't it? Everybody knows why it's being said. And everybody's aware of the fact that, you know, we're trying to be kind or nice to this guy. We're looking out for his, his, his well-being or whatever. But it's just really interesting to hear that that's actually the reality of it. And, 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 and the freedom then will come from him being able to be just quietly holding his own. He knows he's scoring. That's basically what you're getting at. Or am I just reading that? Absolutely, Trevor. And, and, and when you talk about that bit of advice, that bit of help is that the one guy who knows better than anyone else is the guy who's even with, isn't he? Man, so, he knows yeah. exactly why everybody's trying to be nice, isn't it? But, but now you can have a little bit of a joke. You can still go, listen, darling, I get there, I'm going to whip around the fire post or whatever. But now it's not advice, is it? Now it's just a bit of, you know, this is what we're going to do, Pat, listen. And it's the same for club, isn't it? When club walks past and he gives him a bit of advice, isn't it? It's, it? It just doesn't feel the same way. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch? And those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Now, the man of the night, really, and the story of the night is Salah, who comes on and just does incredible mo things, one after another after another. The, all of the goals had a sort of real classic Mo Salah feel to them. 
Um, the nature of the hat trick itself, such a destructive act, six goals or three goals in six minutes. Um, and it felt like he was imposing himself in that way that really only he does in the game. I wonder, is it as simplistic, Jan, as the fella found himself in central positions uh, and not marooned out on the flank because there was a lad who was now nominally a wide player who wasn't like Klopp decided to do. He decided to put poor old Jordan Henderson out there to do that role against Arsenal in the tail end of that match. Odd. Um, who was actually just a fella who was going to be able to do that sort of um, attack and play. Is it really that simple? It felt that simple, yeah. I, I felt on Sunday at Arsenal in the 4-4-2, uh, I, I felt that what we turned Mo Salah, listen, I know and everybody knows he's not been in good form, but I still felt that what we turned him into playing in a 4-4-2, working up and down, I know he doesn't work as hard as having dragon back as and I almost felt like we turned him into a new, new dirt kite. You know, yeah. a striker not playing through the middle but playing on the right because A, he's still a goal threat and he'll work really, really hard. So I'm not sure the 4-4-2 with Mo and one of the flanks suits him. But I think it might shoot him through the middle. So when he came on against Rangers, I think what he enjoyed was all the movement, wasn't it? There was so much movement, there was so much going on that there wasn't one direct play and go, I've got Mo, I know where he is. He's marooned out, he's isolated, isn't it? They never knew where he was, and that was because of all that movement. And I think the two young boys, you know, Elliot, I think they've got a lot of praise after the game. But I also think for, uh, Cavalio did a lot of good things. And, Fantastic. Yeah, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. And a lot of people going, well, I said, no, I thought he did really well. His awareness, his, the ability to play at a high tempo, his vision, I thought he did really well. And I was sitting there in the second half thinking... Would we, would we be that brave? Could we do it? You know, but then you think Nunes needs to play, shot to play well against Arsenal. He probably needs to play, isn't it? But I thought the two of them did really well. Well, actually, it's interesting you mentioned Jota because Jota came on and uh, assisted three goals, uh, which is not exactly what you think of when you think of, of, of Diogo Jota. Um, I think he'd be probably, on, well, I know you wouldn't, players never do, but I think it's understandable that he might start the game against City on the bench because he is a, a wonderful um, option to bring on. Do you see a world in which Jürgen might say now at this stage, well, the, the league challenge, the title challenge is out the window. What about looking at the two lads, the two kids on the flanks, uh, a really solid duo of Thiago and, 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 um, and Fab and and then Mo and Darwin doing bits until at least we have Luis Diaz back, who will obviously be a first teamer, and we'd have to accommodate him. Or do we learn a lot from the fact that a game that we had to win because it was the season hinged on it last night in a way that I don't think many people have admitted the season hinged on that game last night on winning it because you're looking for miracles and we didn't. Uh, he went back to four three three, didn't he? Do you know when he really needed to dig a result out of the bag, he went back to four three three. I'm I'm at a loss to think as we begin looking towards City. I I I imagine he does the same again. I can't see a world in which the starting lineup doesn't feature a midfield of Henderson, Thiago, Fabinho. That's 
I, I, I felt the same for the Arsenal game. And, you know, I think what's, hap- what's helped Fabinho is that, you know, the longer the game went against Rangers, the better he played. Yeah. Uh, uh, the more he was capable of doing what he does, isn't it? Just reading the game and just moving the ball on very, very quick, isn't it? Uh, so, you know, as I said before, yet again, we're not quite sure what we're going to do. Uh, but, you know, as a dream, and no, I'm not a dream, actually, but I, I, I think there is some miles in going, you know, young players, you've got to be careful young players, you can too early. But, but it's not too early for, for Elliot and, 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 and Cavalli, is it? Maybe it's, it's too much to expect them both to play and start against City, isn't it? But, you know, we also go to them on the Wednesdays, and so let's get them involved as much as we can, but let's get them involved as well when the games isn't decided. You know, let's not have them at substitutes and put them on with one and two or whatever. Let, let them get used to playing. You know, that first five, 10, 15 minutes of Premier League games often are the most difficult ones to, 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 to get through, isn't it? Let, let them experience that. Because I think they're more than ready. And by that, I mean, it's like a mental thing, isn't it? The children look ready for the challenges. Isn't it? The only way they can show that now is by playing. But, you know, I guess it'd be too much to, to expect both of them to start against Manchester City. Well, we have two games to talk about and look forward to. And, and for the end of the show, we'll do exactly that. You mentioned West Ham and we'll finish talking about them. We'll start with a, a look at the City game. And I think an awful lot of people are quite uh, intimidated by the concept of it, given our form. Um, quick look at the league table will tell you that that's fair enough. I mean, we have only 10 points from our eight games um, compared to their 23 from nine. Um I do look forward to this game, I have to say. I think I have the same curiosity that you do, looking forward to seeing what he's going to do with the team. Even just that little chat we've had there shows that, you know, there is a certain level of excitement and and uncertainty about how we're going to go. I think myself that the team will probably step up to the challenge. And I'll tell you why I have a feeling about that before we talk about City themselves. If Andy Robbo's back, and doing Andy Robbo things, I think that's a good thing. I, I do rate Simicus, but he is a step down in level from Robertson, in my opinion. Um, if we have Joe Gomez now blooded and back and feeling a little bit more confident, we might have a bit of defensive resolve there that we could really do with at the moment. Wow, Konate's game last night, Jan, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was great. Like from the first minute, he's throwing himself into tackles, making blocks, all that kind of stuff. I thought he was great. I was so excited to see him back. And I think he gives us a very interesting edge there and a little bit of pace and dynamism and strength and authority and all that kind of thing. So these are the reasons why I'm optimistic. We also now have, despite the injuries, an interesting couple of options as we look at our midfield and attack. So I fully expect that we will be up for it. I don't think it's going to be a case of we get a spanking because we're awful. Oh God, I hope I'm right, Jan. And they keep disappointing me in terms of how they start games. Um, considering the size of the game, what, what's your feeling on how it's going to go in terms of do you see us falling back into that pattern of, of slow starts or do you think maybe something has twigged a little bit for us? I mean, obviously, because it's been so often, we can't be 100% sure. But I do think yeah. there's, there's some things in our favour. Isn't it? Playing at Anfield is our favour, in our favour at the moment. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's still a big ask to come to Anfield and, and, and beat Liverpool, isn't it? Uh, and I also think Anfield's got a big role to play because even City, and even City, when they were at their best, and they were rolling into town with De Bruyne and, and then David Silvia and Aguero, whatever, mm-hmm. Winston Company, whatever, 
the atmosphere unsettled them. The yeah. intensity in the stadium, in the stands and on the pitch unsettled them. And I think we're quite, I think we're still capable of that. I still think that we're, over the last three or four years, we've been the only team capable of going toe to toe with them. And by that, I mean, not having to change anything, just be ourselves. Yeah. I think on Sunday, we have to be ourselves for as much as we can. I would like to restrict our back four a little bit more than normally when we play City. But apart from that, be ourselves. And I think it's game on. And you mentioned Konati there. I just can't see the big fella against the big fella. How that's going to turn out, you know. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that myself. I think, uh, like, I think Van Dyke might do an Alan Hansen. You know, when Alan Hansen thought I'm going to be in trouble, he always passed him on. And I think Van Dyke might pass him on to the younger Konati. <laughs> <laughs> You look after Ellie, and I'll take any. I'll take any details. <laughs> well, I guess that's what comes with a certain level of seniority. You get to make those calls, make those decisions. Uh, the the Champions League game for City uh, in the week uh, was a way to um, uh, Cop- Copenhagen. Yeah, to 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 your uh, your hometown, and uh, I'm. I'm very interested to to hear what you made of that because on the night they went with I mean like it's an interesting lineup but they've they've got Ederson Laporte uh, they went with this uh, a Kanji guy beside him and Cancelo and Gomez uh, on the flanks Rodri and Gundogan in the middle De Bruyne and Mares Grealish and they went with Alvarez up front so obviously it's a massively changed lineup and you look at the bench and you look at the people who are sitting there the the big lad you talked about is there Bernardo Silva who's possibly their most important attacker in some ways and Ruben Diaz people like that Phil Foden obviously so it's very much uh, a, a, a paired back lineup um but but I I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think in terms of what you know the fact that at least the Copenhagen were, Copenhagen were able to get a result against them. Probably just for a little bit of compare and contrast, it might be a little bit more realistic for us to look at the, the game before that uh, in terms of what what happened uh, there against United. Um, or, oh, sorry, not United, but against Southampton, where, uh, well, you know, they, they did sort of blow them away. It was a, another 4-0. They'd had the 6-3 against United before that. And the team that went there was Akanji at right back, Cancelo left, Aki and Diaz, Rodri and Silva, Mares, De Bruyne, Foden and Haaland. And that's a, a more familiar looking uh, Man City outfit. If it clicks for them, they're awesome, yeah. Uh, they have a lot to recommend them. Uh, all across that team, I still feel that there there are vulnerabilities there. I think the fact that even United got those three goals would tell you that. And I think, like you said, when there's someone who's going to go toe to toe with them, it could be a very interesting outing, and we might really test one or two of their players and see what they come up with. I'm hoping that Mo Salah, being proper Mo Salah, will really do that. So. With a view to how they're going to line up, what do you think? How do you think they're going to go? Um, obviously, it'll be strong, but who do you who do you reckon are the key men for them? I, I think psychological, this thing that they know that Liverpool will come at it. I think mm. that is a psychological uh, on, on their minds when they play Liverpool. Because when you're the top team, and I was fortunate enough to play in the top team for a few years, and you know that the opposition is a heartbeat before you even start. But but that's the big problem they have with Liverpool, is that Liverpool never go into the City games with with, with that sort of mindset, uh, I always feel that at the moment, because of the injuries to Kyle Walker, uh, they're almost like a fullback short. 
uh, I know mm-hmm. a young boy goes that they bought from Anderlecht. I'm not sure they're ready to throw him in. Uh, so they're being forced to play a centre half. A Kanji can play right back, or Nathan Ake can play play left back. It's just what they just decide to do, isn't it? But I think it'll be pretty, as we expect, Rodri in midfield with De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva. It will be Foden, uh, it'll be Jack Grealish, and it'll be Erling from Norway uh, through the middle. And uh, it's always a huge club. See how we deal with that, isn't it? It really is, man. And yeah, like there's an excitement to it. I have to say. I don't feel at all like it's a free hit, don't get me wrong. I don't want to lose any more points. I want us to get a result, especially because it's at Anfield. But there's just a sort of, I don't know, it's a weird thing, isn't it, that a certain freedom comes with the release of the Valve, Jan, where you must win every game. And we've been at, ratcheted up to that pressure for an entire season last season. Every single game was a must win. And for quite a few seasons now, that's been the way in the league, at least. It's like, can't lose, can't lose, got to get a win. Um, maybe there's something to be said for having that pressure valve released a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there'll be a target, one, and obviously the target is to get into the top four. And I'm sure Klopp and the backroom supposed to be able to tell the boys that we need, what, in excess of 74, 75 points, which is a totally, mind, totally different mindset to what we've been used to, isn't it? Uh, and that in itself is, yeah, okay, it's not where we want to be. But the only way we can get back into where we want to be is take one step at a time, isn't it? So, whereas for years, even on this podcast, Trevor, we've been looking at games and going, well, we've got to win this, we've got to win this, isn't it? We don't quite feel like that at the moment, isn't it? But, yeah, as I said before, I just, I just think it's a really interesting game. Is that a lot of people are assuming that this is going to be a walk in the park for Manchester City. I would be really, really disappointed if that was the case. And you said you you fancy that Klopp will go tried and trusted. Does that mean that the three ahead of the three are Mo, Bobby and Darwin? Or, I mean, does that work? That doesn't work, does it? No, it doesn't really work, no. Uh, I, I, I agree. Uh, you know, he, he, he could decide to, to go with a, you know, F four four two in a in a way, Bobby deserves to start. I've got a feeling he probably won't. Could shot a play on the left. I guess he could. It's not where he's at his best. He's 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 better when he's floating around uh, centrally, and, and and he's probably a bigger help in many ways to, to Nunez uh, uh, as as Bobby is. Although you know Bobby would drop in deep and, and create space, and so it's, it's as again, I would like to to guess, uh, Trevor. It might just be that he's seen enough from either Cavalier and Elliot. He goes, you know what? Let's fight fire with fire. <laughs> I kind of hope he does, man. I kind of hope he does. We should look ahead because we're not going to get a chance to talk until the West Ham game is over as well. And with that in mind, that's not really one that I feel any sort of uh, uh, freedom about at all. To me, that's a game we got to win. Uh, we got to sort of assert ourselves again now and say, okay, uh, City's a one-off, but we got to get back to being the next best team and doing our best to do that. And West Ham last time out against Fulham had a, a 3-1 win. And they had obviously Fabianski, they had Dawson and Zuma and Cresswell and the carer was uh, right back. Uh, Suchek and Rice are their established partnership there. And they had uh, Bowen and Fornals, Paqueta behind Skamaka. And, you know, they are 
and have been rightly praised by us on this show as a very good side um, who've maintained a high level of uh, of performance. Probably a little bit more disappointing this year than I think most people would have thought, uh, but they still represent a real challenge to us on Wednesday night. I think. Um, how do you how do you feel about that game and the difference of attitude that we're going to have to have regardless of how the Manchester City game goes? I think had we played West Ham three weeks ago, it'd have been a cigar job. You'd have gone, we're going to be all over these. Yeah. Uh, but I just think they're finding their feet. Uh, I think there's slowly a, a new look West Ham appearing. They brought in a number of players in the summer. And I think they're just starting to get him into the team. And, and I think they're starting to look really, really strong. Yes, there was a lot of controversy involved in their goals against Fulham, but they're looking strong. They've got, I mean, that's wherever you look, that's a strong midfield. Declan Rice is an excellent player. Thomas Hujic brings what he brings, isn't he? He's such a handful, you know, because of his height and he arrives as an extra striker. And then they've got the Paquette, who's a real footballer, you know, great vision, technically very, very good. And the interesting one is the Italian boy from Scamacca. Was a really good player as well. So there'll be a handful. So three weeks ago, I said this is straightforward 2 0. Now, I think it's game one. I think it's going to be really difficult. Also, Jaron Bowen is, is finding his feet again, isn't it? So that will be a tricky game. Yeah. And, you know, they're off the back of three wins in a row. That Fulham win, they had beaten Anderlecht uh, previous to that, and a 2 0 win at home to Wolves. Um, now, obviously, the game before that was a 1 0 reversal uh, to Everton. They. Uh, uh, they had a, that, that was disappointing. That was in the middle of their, their bad-ish run. I think the Europa Conference League has given them a little bit of confidence in terms of getting a few results in general. But previous to that, in the Premier, it hasn't gone so well. They do have that basis of form now to build on. And I, I, I think it's, you'll probably agree with me, and that I don't know if there's any benefit or point to us even trying to predict what, our team will look like because I think possibly it's still very much evolving in the manager's mind as well with the exception of a few things I think like you there's every chance he just is going to stick with Darwin now and try to get him playing and scoring on a regular basis and do a few bits around him and I hope that we may have abandoned this uh marooning Mo on the on, on the flank thing that would be lovely um but outside of that I I think everything's up for grabs I do, however, think that if you, if you look at our, our fixture list, so Sunday City West West Ham on a Monday, uh, Wednesday, sorry, and then the early kickoff Forest on the Saturdays, and that will play into Klopp's uh, thinking in terms of how many of the attacking players is he going to allow to play three times ninety minutes. So it, it is going to be a battle, and there will be decision made whether the majority of those decisions will be made for the third game, the final. Of the three, which is Forest away, which is also the easiest of the three. Uh, I don't know, but I wouldn't like to second guess right now, Trevor. I mean that. I mean, normally you're never a million miles away because it has been pretty straightforward, hasn't it? Which brings us to the next complicated way that we always finish the show. It's you've just said it has been a straightforward thing. Mostly, it's you feeling in your gut that we're going to go and have enough to beat whoever the hell it is, regardless of who they've been. Um, we now have ahead of us two formidable enough opponents um, before we speak again, uh, one particularly so. Uh, and I just wonder in your gut how you feel it's going to go. Because I think, unless I'm very much mistaken, you probably had looked at the Arsenal game as poss possibly, and maybe even optimistically, being a score draw. 
uh, and that wasn't far off the mark and probably should at least have been that if it hadn't been some for some awful officiating. Um, how do you feel the City one will go and then follow up with your gut feeling on how West Ham goes? Yeah, I, I predicted 2-2 last week and you, you yeah. know, without that penalty, which was a soft penalty. Uh, so I'm going to go the same way. You know, I, I expect it to be a home thing on Anfield on Sunday. Uh, I think we can get it. I think a draw is a good, is, is a good result right now. And I'm going to go 2 2 again. I expect it to be goals. Uh, as much as we look at City and how formidable they are, they do concede. There's mm. no way. That. And having said all of that, I also expect a belter against West Ham. Uh, so I'm going to go a little bit further against the West Ham and predict that we're going to beat West Ham 4 2. We saw it. <laughs> yeah, but I also think, Trevor, that we'll still go with aren't we? You know, we, we, we do concede one or two, isn't it? So 2 yeah. 2 against City and 4 2 against West Ham. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I really am. Genuinely, there's no, there's, I can't fake it. It's, it's a genuine excitement. And it's, it's, it's arising from uncertainty because that's something new. So I want to say, uh, we have taken a lot of twists and turns as we always do. Uh, a few nice stories and, 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 and bits and pieces as we went as well. So for another show, Jan, uh, in a genuine way, thanks very much. It, it is actually exciting in a funny way, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. not what we thought it was going to be, isn't it? But in many ways, there's a lot more to talk about, isn't it? <laughs> there is there's no end of subjects we certainly won't be bored uh, and hopefully uh, like myself and Jan you are very much engaged uh, if you, this is your first time listening to the show do spread the word amongst anyone that you've seen if it's your first time watching the show do the same please and give us a little bit of a plug wherever the hell you're going uh, we will be back with you next week to talk about the two games we just mentioned West Ham and City and look ahead to the next two so from me Trev Downey from Jan Mulby this has been Malby on the Spot. We'll be back next week. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.